2 Kings chapter 8. And as we're opening our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 8, uh, we're going to examine, as I mentioned earlier, God's power over our lives. And specifically, what we're going to look at is His restoring power. And not only His restoring power, but also His all-knowing power. See, this is, these are things that God does. And as we know, he's omniscient. He knows all things. And so what I'm going to do as we get into chapter 8 is I'm going to break down the study into two parts. And one is talking about his restoring power and the other one's talking about how his all-knowing power. And as I mentioned in my prayer, may we have a greater understanding of who the Lord is. In understanding the God that we serve, may we come to a place of complete submission and love to him and to his will. And so with that, let's go ahead and read. We're going to read here in 2 Kings chapter 8. We're going to read the first six verses. And then after that, we'll, we'll go ahead and, uh, and read the second portion from verses 7 through 8. So let's read the first six verses of 2 Kings chapter 8. It says, Then Elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the, man, of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines. And she went to make her appeal to the king, for the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the... Th- great things Elijah has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, this is a woman and this is her son whom Elijah restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. You know, as we see here, right, as we're reading here, I want to break down this study, as I mentioned to you, about with with these two topics. One, his restoring power, and that's what we're going to talk about first. And before we get into the details of these verses... I want to share with you that the Bible is filled with example, examples of God's restoring power. And not only is it filled with the examples, but it is filled with re- requests of God to restore. And why do we, re- we go to God asking Him to restore? Because we know that He can and we know that He does. This is a God that we serve. He restores things. And we're going to talk about this just for a little bit so that we get a deeper understanding of the God that we serve, how he restores and the things that he does. Let me give you some scriptures to remind you of how he does things. In Joel 2.25, it says, And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. You're probably looking at the scripture up there and saying, hey, you know what? He's reading something different. I'm actually reading to you from the King James Version. What you have there is a new King James Version. And the reason I shared this is because I wanted to share with you the different types of, of, uh, of, of, of these uh, creatures that he 
talks about the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. He says that, you know what, I restore to you the years that the locusts, that these things have destroyed. And this is why we also have in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4, where it talks about what the Lord does. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The Lord heals the brokenhearted. How many of us have been broken? How many of us have broken hearts? Guess what? The Lord heals. He proclaims liberty to the captives. How many of us were, are captive to things? Even though sometimes we don't even acknowledge it, right? It could be to some sort of sin. Whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be fornication, whether it be jealousy, whether it be anger, whether it be bitterness and unforgiveness. The Lord says that he gives liberty to the captives, those that are in chains. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound, if you are bound in chains. And then to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And this is where it comes to play. To comfort all who mourn. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The ashes that have come upon your life, God turns them into beauty. The oil of joy for mourning, the mourning that you've had. The Lord says, I will give you the oil of joy. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Those that are weighed down by things. He puts on you now the garment of praise that they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild old ruins, your lives that are broken, everything around you that has been broken. They shall rebuild and they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repay, repair the ruined cities, the, the desolations of many generations. See, what God is telling us here is that he is able to restore. God is able to rebuild all of these things. He's able to bring joy. He's able to bring beauty. He's able to bring praise. He's able to do these things so that he can be glorified. God has done this time and time again throughout centuries and in the lives of so many, many people. God can do this like no other. He has a proven track record. And I want to talk about what it means to restore. I want you to know, restore means to return to a former or original condition, place, or position. Restore means to return to a former or original condition, place, or position. He brings, he returns back to a former condition to an original condition to an original place or position and i believe that and i know this to be a fact that our lives are shattered because of sin they're shattered by sin and the results from sin remember that's why our lives are shattered they are shattered by sin and the results of sin and many times these are because of our own sins this is why our lives are so messed up this is why we get off track and God wants to what? Bring us back on track. And this is how he does it. He restores. See, sin chosen by us or caused by others brings these things into our lives. 
And so that's why our lives need restoring. And this is where God comes to play. He is so good at restoring broken lives. And this is what he's going to reveal to us today. This is what we see here happening as we read these first six verses. See, this is what's so good about the God that we serve is that he restores things broken by sin and the result of sin. And many times, as I mentioned, caused by us or caused by others. And no one else can do it the way God does it. And this is why we, we love the Lord. This is why we know the Lord's power. And this is the power that he wants to reveal and to remind us today. Let's go ahead and examine the scriptures and talk about these and, and see how, what the Lord did here as he restored what belonged to this woman. Verse 1 says, And Elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. Let's talk about the people in events here. The people that are mentioned first is Elijah the prophet. Okay? We have Elijah the prophet. We know that this Elijah was doing amazing works for God. God was moving through this man. God spoke through this man. And we have here his mention again as we've been looking at the things that Elijah has done as well as the other things that others have done. But then he mentions to us this woman. This woman whose son was revived. Who is this woman? This woman is a Shunammite woman. And let me remind you, this woman was called a great woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. I know that in the New King James Version, it mentions a notable woman, but in the King James Version, he calls her a great woman. And this woman cared and provided for Elijah. And remember, if any of you want this study, it was in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. And I forgot the title of it. I think it was called the Shunammite woman, the great woman of God. But when we talked about this woman... We looked, we did an in-depth character study on her. And we saw how she was a woman of good behavior. We saw how she was a woman of hospitality. We saw how she was a woman of respectability. We saw how she was a woman of contentment and great faith. And now she reappears in the scriptures here. And the event that... Elisha mentions here is that there's going to be a seven-year famine in the land. And so what does Elijah do? He instructs her to go outside of the land. Go to a place where the famine won't affect you. In other words, go outside of Israel because that's where the famine went. And remember, these things were happening. Why? Because of their idolatry. Israel was in complete disobedience to the Lord. And so we see these things that would take place. And God had told you, if you disobey, you're going to experience these things. And so Elijah tells this, the Shunammite woman, he tells her, you know what? Go outside of Israel. Because there's going to be a, a famine. The Lord has proclaimed a famine. And then in verse 2 it says, So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. I'm going to share with you about this Shunammite woman. This woman continues to amaze me. This woman is amazing because when we look 
at her obedience. She obeyed what Elijah said. And it wasn't Elijah. She obeyed what the Lord said through Elijah because Elijah told her the Lord has called for a famine. And he says, you know what? Move out. Because he cared for her, right? She was a woman of faith. She wasn't like the rest of Israel that was disobedient to the Lord. She was obedient to the Lord. And she obeys the Lord when the Lord tells her, there's a famine, get out of the land. And so she leaves the land and she goes to the land of the Philistines for seven years. An obedient woman. When the Lord says something, you do it. Not only for women, but this is for men also. When the Lord asks us to do something, we do it. But as we're looking at this Shunammite woman, again, she's a remarkable woman. A great woman. That's why the Bible called her a great woman. And so what happens next? We look at verse 3. It says, It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. We're not given the details here, but we know that she returns after seven years, just as the Lord said. Imagine that. The Lord said, seven years is going to be a famine, and you know what? Leave for seven years and come back. And that's exactly what she does. The seven years, after the seven years, the woman returns. But when she returns, unfortunately, what she finds is her property, her land and her home are occupied by another. In other words, they took her property away. Remember, she left. There was a famine, so somebody came in. And what did they do? They took what belonged to her. And they didn't want to give it back because she went to her home. It's not told. We're not giving all of these details. But we know one thing is that she went to her home. And we see here that they didn't want to give it back to her. And so what does she do? She goes to the king, which at this time was normal practice. She would go to the king to handle these matters. And she wants her house restored and her land given back to her. I want to remind you what the verse told us here. In verse 3, it says that she was on her way. Not that she was there. Remember that. She's not there. She's on her way. And so now we're going to have a, 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 a scene change. And it's going to reveal to us as she's on her way what the king is doing. And so... Let's go ahead and read that in verse 4. It says, Then the king talked with Gehazi and the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elijah has done. So we see here the king is having a conversation with Gehazi. And at this time, the Shunammite woman is coming. But let's talk about Gehazi first, because there's, there could be some confusion here for those of us that have been that remember Gehazi, remember this was Elisha's servant, this was Elisha's assistant. But we know one thing is that his heart wasn't right. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, it revealed that he was filled with greed, and based on his lies and greed, leprosy came upon him. Again, the consequences of sin, the result of sin, these things happen. And so because of his greed, because of his lies, leprosy came upon him. And so with this leprosy upon him, how is it that he's before King Jeram, which was Joram, which was the king of Israel, if he had leprosy? The thought here is that either this event happened before, because I want you to know that 2 Kings is not in chronological order. So it either happened before the leprosy, or the second would have been that the king was just so 
curious about the works of Elisha that he called for Gehazi. I tend to think, which we know for a fact, that the events are not in chronicle order. So I'm more of the thought that this happened before he had leprosy. It happened prior to the leprosy. And so as we see here, the king is very curious about the, the miracles that happened through Elijah, the miracles that God did through Elijah. And he wants to know from Gehazi, his servant, the miracles that he did. And so let's look at verse 5. It says, Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is a woman, and this is her son, whom Elijah restored to life. Think of this, right? Think of what's happening here. Gehazi is sharing with the king. Gehazi is sharing with the king about one event. The miracle that the Lord did through Elisha that brought a young boy, a young son, who had died back to life. And let me remind you, this event happened seven years ago. This was from 2 Kings chapter 4. This was seven years ago. And as he is sharing with the king about this event, guess who comes? This woman. He's sharing this miracle, the details about this miracle, and here she comes. Remember this past Sunday what I shared with all of you? Remember in the Lord there are no chances. In the Lord there are no coincidences. In the Lord there is no luck when it comes to the people of God. Remember Many times people will say, oh, well, you know what? It was all luck. Or look, it was all, you know, it's a coincidence that she's talking, I mean, that Gehazi's talking about, about, the, about this woman and her son, and then she happens to come at the same time. That's all baloney. There is no chance. There is no coincidence. There is no luck when it comes to the Lord. Remember what I shared with you, and the scripture I gave you was from Proverbs 16, verse 9, where it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We are directed by the Lord. There is no chance when it comes to us. Everything that happens is directed by the Lord. Some may say, well, what about sin? Well, you know what? The Lord doesn't create the sin. Remember, sin came in, and, and this is a result of man's sin. And so these things happen, but it doesn't mean that God is the one that created this. And this, this was a choice that man did. But we know one thing, just like with this woman, right? Her land was taken, her home was taken. This wasn't caused by God. This was caused by a sinful man or a sinful family that wanted to take her property away. And in taking her property away, the promise that God gives us because of sin, that God turns all things together for good, Right? And that's what we got to remember. But one thing that I want to share with you is that the Lord is repeating the same principle again. He wants us to understand this truth that there is no luck. There is no coincidence. There is no chance when it comes to the Lord. Let me remind you about this woman. She was a great woman. This woman, remember, she loved the Lord. She had good behavior. She was hospitable. She was respectable. She was content. She was a woman of faith and of obedience. And, in do, and knowing this about her, God directed her steps at the very moment that Gehazi was speaking about her 
this was no coincidence. It wasn't by luck. It wasn't by chance. This is the Lord directing. And as we see that she has her son with her. And Gehazi says, that's the woman, the one that's coming to you right now. That's the woman and that's her son. And so what happens after that in verse 6? It says, and when the king asked the woman, she told him. What does this mean? Now, you know what? He wanted to know details, right? He wanted to know details. You know what? What, re- what happened there? Did your son really die? How did, what happened? What did Elijah say? Was it God that moved through him? Well, tell me, confirm to me the things that went on. And it says that she told him. And as a result of this, it says there in verse 6, So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. This is amazing. That as the king asked for details, she told him the details. And remember this, the king moved, uh, God moved in the heart of the king to restore all that belonged to her. How do I know that God moved in, her, in the king's heart to do this? Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. The king's heart, the kings, the presidents. Remember I mentioned earlier, there are things that God directs him to do. And that's exactly what, what I'm giving you here. The God directed the king of Israel, King Joram. To restore all things to her. God directs the hearts of, uh, of kings. He says, as the rivers of water, as they flow, he turns them wherever he wishes. God is able to do this. As I talked earlier about the decision to declare the capital of Jerusalem. I mean, to declare the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. And so what we see here, the king, he tells an officer, he appoints an officer actually, and he instructs the officer and he says, restore all that was hers. Restore the land and the home that was hers. And not only do you restore the land and the home, but restore all the income that was made from the crops that belonged to her. From the day she left, which was seven years ago, it says there, until now. This is how good God is. I want you to know how good he is. Let me give you the details of what we're reading here. He restores, and not only does he restore, but he goes above and beyond. Remember that. He goes above and beyond. All she cared about was her land and her home. And guess what? He not only gave her the land and the home, but he gave her all the money that they made from the crops that were on her land. This is a way the Lord works. Remember, everything that we lose, everything that we mess up, as a child of God, He can restore. And He does it so well. And guess what? He goes above and beyond. How many of us have had our lives completely messed up because of choices we made? Because of sin. Remember this. God restores. I have seen God restore marriages. 
I have seen God restore families. I have seen God restore lives. I have seen God restore relationships. I have seen God restore children with their parents. I have seen God restore jobs. I have seen God restore property. And it usually, and it's usually better than before. It's always better than before. Remember that. That's the way God works. I want to share this with you. When we think about the children of God, Remember, God says, you know what? If we as earthly fathers can't give good things, how much more does he give us? He gives better and he does better. And as a child of God, he restores things better than before. He goes above and beyond. I want to give you another example of this. We see it with the Shunammite woman, right? He gave her more than she asked for, all her money, all that she lost. But we see it also in the life of Job. Remember Job? Remember Job lost his business? Remember Job lost his children? Remember Job lost his possessions? By the hand of the enemy. And let's look at Job 42. I'm just going to read it to you in verse 12. What the Lord did. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. He restored things and he went above and beyond. And then he talks about all the blessings. He talks about how much sheep, how many camels, how many oxen, how many female donkeys. And he gave him more sons and daughters than he had before. I share this with you because I want you to know that God is not partial just for certain people. This is the way he is. This is what he is. He's a great God, an amazing God, a God that loves to bless, a God that loves to give good gifts. And for us, if you become a child of God and you're desiring that he restore your broken lives, he will make them better than before. And he will go above and beyond. He's not just going to do it for the Shunammite woman. He's not just going to do it for Job. He's going to do it for his children that love him, that obey him, that are faithful to him. He will give you above and beyond. And I, and I look and I see lives out here that have been shattered by sin and how God has made you better than before. Let's be bold. How many of you have experienced God's restoration above and beyond? Give me a show of hands. Amen. God can do this. And God does do this. And this is a God that we serve. And this is a reminder that he has for us this evening. This is why we have this here. This is why we have these scriptures here. You know what? I know that the next portion of scripture, I'm not going to have time for it, so I'm just going to meditate and share with you on just God's restoring power. We'll make this a part two, okay? We'll make this a part two study. Next week, we'll talk about his all-knowing power. But if you want to experience God's restoration in your life, it takes surrender. It really does. And I'm talking about surrender to him. If you want God to restore those broken lives that you've caused or that others have caused, God will do it. 
He knows your personal struggles. He knows them. He knows the issues that you're facing. He knows the locusts that have come in to destroy your lives. He knows the canker worms. He knows the caterpillars that have come in and destroyed all these things. And what he wants to do is he wants to restore them. But we got to give him the opportunity. And that's when we yield to him and we surrender our lives to him. You know, before I knew the Lord, and I'll give you just a personal here. My marriage was not what it needed to be. It was going downhill. And I knew I needed change. And when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, did he change my marriage? Did he change my life? See, if you want change, God will bring that change. He will bring transformation in your life. He will transform you, and not only you, but he will transform those around you. See, the issues that we have today, as I was reminded by someone, the issues that we have in our marriages and our families with our friends, is that we haven't yielded to the Lord. He's not our king. He's not our Lord. We still have ourselves on the throne, and when we have ourselves on the throne, guess what? There's issues around us. See, if, that's why the Lord says to seek him and his righteousness. And everything else falls into place. Restoration in your life will happen when you surrender yourself to Jesus Christ, when he becomes that priority. And he's so good at it. We have all of you that raised your hand. And we have the examples in the Bible. And this is why we come. To hear of what he does and the things that he does and we can do. See, God is so good at doing these things. And he does them through the centuries, as I mentioned, through the lives of many, many people. Don't think that God can't do it in your life. Because many of us are lied and deceived by Satan into thinking, you know what? God can't restore God can't do good in your life. You know what? You're so messed up. You know what? You're just lost. And God doesn't have the power to do these things. What did we read in Isaiah 61? Remember when the Lord spoke there in the temple? And if you could put it up in Luke chapter 4. I, I know we didn't have this scripture set before us, but... Here in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus Christ. He's quoting from Isaiah 61. Here in Luke 4, 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's just not talking about the poor financial poor, but the poor in spirit. Those that are broken, those that are empty. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, as I mentioned to you. This world breaks our heart, doesn't it? He has sent me to heal. I mean, he, he has called me to proclaim liberty to the captives. I will give you liberty if you are captive to some sort of sin. And you know what your sin is. 
God knows what your sin is, and you're held captive to it where you say, I can't be set free. I need this. I, I, want, I don't want it. I know it's wrong, but I can't be set free. Well, guess what? God promises to liberate you that are captive to it. He says, and I will give sight to the blind. You've been blinded by Satan. You're ignorant to your, your, to your sin. But guess what? He gives us sight to see these things and to realize these things and to know these things and to no longer be yielded to these things. Those that are oppressed. Many are oppressed by the demons themselves. Oppressed by people. And guess what? He brings liberty, right? To our enemies. He takes care of our enemies. He says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then it says that he closed this book in verse 21. And he says, and he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And this is what God does. This is what the Lord does when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. He will set you free. Guaranteed. I was set free. And believe me, when I surrendered my life to him, I felt the chains coming off. I felt a burden of sin that was relieved from my back. The Lord restores. He restored my marriage. He restores lives. He restores everything, and he makes it better. That's why he says it, it's above and beyond. He goes above and beyond. He does exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Those things that, you can't, that you're even doubting or thinking that you know what it just goes over the top you didn't even think that he was going to do these things and he goes above and beyond but what does it take faith in jesus christ faith in jesus christ if you're tired of your life or what life has brought you god can do these things He's done it in me, and he's done it through men and women, through centuries. He restores and makes things better. This is what he does. No one else can do what God does. Do we want to give him an opportunity, a chance? It's really up to us. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll see. You will experience freedom. Freedom. That's what he gives. And yes, you may struggle. But remember this. Sin no longer has power over you. Sin no longer has dominion over you. It's Jesus Christ. Righteousness now flows through your veins. And he will give you the power by his spirit, by his word, to help you to live a life better than before. Stop listening to the enemy. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He will restore, and it will be better than before. Amen? Let's pray.